During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. I'm on your host, Blessing, Eddie Jr. Joining me is the one and only Snowbike Mike. Hey, I'm here today, which means we're probably talking about Xbox. So I'm excited yeah. to be joining you on Games Daily. And we also have a rare three-person Kind of Funny Games uh -huh. Daily going yeah, on yeah. because we're joined by special guest GameSpots, Jess Howard. Jess, how's it going? Good. It's great. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, very happy to have you. Of course, it's a rare three-person episode because the plan originally mm -hmm. was to have it be me and Jess, of course, yes. kicking it, having a good time, talking about video game news. But then last night, a storm happened, yeah. a video game storm. <laughs> a bunch of Xbox leaks happened, and I felt we had to have somebody on to like, we had to add Snow White Mike on in particular, right? Because it is a lot of Xbox stuff to get into. And then also it's not an Xcast this week. And so I figure why not a better time than now to get Mike's thoughts and a good, good old Xbox deep dive into the deep Xbox news that we got today. Yeah. And so it's gonna be a fun one, fun one. But before we get there, Jess, again, thank you for joining us. Thank You're you from GameSpot. There's a lot we can get into. We don't have an, uh, enough time to get into all of it, but you're somebody who's, been part of my journey coming into the games industry for a while right we've been in, in each other's journey right because yeah. like i feel like it's been maybe eight years or so where probably i was gonna say like sitting down next to you for this was so surreal because i'm like wow. i remember in like 2017 when you were at okay beast and we were doing extra life and just like sitting on a couch and now it's like yeah kind of funny i'm at GameSpot. we did it yeah that's, did the thing the thing. Is, that's so weird you know like we knew each other and made content together yeah. before i was at kind of funny before you were at GameSpot. Yeah, yeah when i was at okie OK beast and you're you i feel like you're at a number of places right because you're your uppercut and then rational passion yeah. it was was it sub trendy <laughs> was, that, was that another one? Oh my one? god <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's in the closet but like deep in the deep yeah that's in yeah. that back in the yeah. deep in the duffy yep but yeah how's how's game spot treating you oh it's amazing it's like it's so funny because I feel like anytime somebody asks me, it sounds so spokesperson-y because I'm always like, it's amazing. I love everybody. But like, truly, it is, I'm so honored to like work there. It still feels surreal. Um, best team ever. Oh, yeah. Tam and Michael aren't giving you any any issues? Oh, no, they're perfect. They're, I mean, they give me some issues just in like them being themselves. But, you know, it's it's all good. <laughs> good issues. So a couple questions for you. What do you do at GameSpot in particular? And then also, what is One Piece content that you've worked on that people should check out? <laughs> He said One Piece, and I was just like, oh, are we going to talk about One Piece? Yeah, let's we talk could talk about, about One Piece. <laughs> no, let's um, forget Xbox and talk about One Piece. Uh, no, so I'm an editor. That's my formal title. Um, you know, and of course, I edit things, as the title implies. But I also do a lot of writing there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's like this one thing that I can point to and be like, ah, make sure you check out that. Um, I did just review the One Piece Netflix series. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. There you go. Check out <laughs> Jess's One Piece review. Uh, and then final question for you. What is your favorite game of all time? Final Fantasy VII. Oh yeah. I love that you had that. Oh yeah. It's yeah. just had like that on lock. Yeah. Confident answer. Well, Mike, 
we're going to need some confident answers from you about what the fuck is going on with Xbox. Because today's <laughs> stories include Xbox is leaking all over the damn place and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Mm-hmm. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kinda Funny Games Daily. Remember, you can use Epic Creator Code Kinda Funny on all Epic Store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be a part of the show, head to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD to write in with your questions, squad-ups, and more. And remember, patreon.com slash kind of funny will get you the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content. Housekeeping for you. We got a new merch drop for you. Uh, we've got a new jabroni merch line designed by the one and only Cameron French of the French Dip Design. It is available starting today, Tuesday at 10 a.m. for the next 10 days. That's right now. You can go over, uh, check that out, kind of funny.com slash store. We got pictures here of, of Mike hugging Andy, and Andy looks like he's not feeling it. We're best friends, Jess. We're best friends. That's what people yeah, say about us. Yeah. It reminds me of like the episode of SpongeBob where Squidward uh, discovers that he likes Krabby Patties. <laughs> like Andy is Squidward the Krabby Patties, where like he wants to act like he's not enjoying this love from Mike, but like deep down you can see it in his eyes. He's yeah. kind of digging it. Yeah. There, there's a love there. Look at this guy. More housekeeping for you. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Brave Authos, Jedi Master Deadpool, and Delaney Twining. Today we're brought to you by BetterHelp, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have nine stories today. A Baker's Dozen. A beefy Roper Report, and eight out of nine stories are about Xbox. So let's start. With our story number one, Microsoft mistakenly posts secret game plans to government site. This is Cecilia uh, DiNastasio and Leah Nylon at Bloomberg. Microsoft mistakenly uploaded confidential information about its video game operations to a federal court website, according to a person familiar with the matter, and a post from a Federal Trade Commission employee. Quote, the FTC was not responsible for uploading Microsoft's plans for its games and consoles to the court website, the FTC's director of public affairs wrote on X, formerly known as Twitter. The documents uploaded Monday are exhibits in the FTC's antitrust suit to stop Microsoft from completing its $69 billion takeover of a game giant, uh, Activision Blizzard. They contain proprietary information about Microsoft's plans for a refreshed Xbox console, upcoming announced video games, and older discussions around purchasing Nintendo. A person familiar with the matter who asked not to be identified discussing the confidential information said Microsoft was responsible for the uploaded documents. Now, this is where we start because this is the the tone setter for the episode. Mm -hmm. What the fuck happened here, right? People have been talking about it all morning. It started off last night. It's funny because like I've been talking on the shows that I've been I've been going to bed earlier nowadays. Mm -hmm. I'm in bed by like 930, 10. But I'm also a very bad sleeper. And so I'll wake up like every other hour and I'm like, oh, I'm here. Let me just check my phone real quick. And every time I woke up, <laughs> done that. Every time I woke up to check my phone in the middle of the night, some new wild Xbox shit would pop up. Uh, Mike, for you, did you see this stuff happening as it was going on? Uh, yeah, I did see this starting at about midnight Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I saw a small one about the console. It was actually the first one to hit my feed. Went to bed. I was like, oh, that's cool. Cool console, whatever. 2.30, woke up. I saw it. It was like, oh, we have 72 pages of court docs. It's going down right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I saw this happening in real time. And I said, 
I'll see you tomorrow morning. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah. And this was a fun Roper report to put together because usually when it comes to the Roper report, I try to organize stories by like most important to least important or like what's going to get the most conversation versus what's going to get just a little bit of conversation. This is such a fun one because this is like a choose your own adventure of everything here could be story number one. And so I think the next jumping off point would be to go with what I have story number two. Phil Spencer really wants to buy Nintendo. This is Jay Peters at The Verge. Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer uh, would really like to buy Nintendo someday. In an August 2020 email to two top Microsoft marketing executives, Spencer wrote that, quote, Nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming, and that, quote, getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe it would be a good move for both companies, end quote. The emails were revealed as part of a tranche of leaked documents from the FTC versus Microsoft lawsuit. One executive, Takeshi Nimoto, asked Spencer and Chris Caposella uh, in an email titled, quote, Random Thought, about why Microsoft isn't finding acquisition targets like Nintendo a, quote, more attractive way to, quote, increase our consumer exposure and relevance. At the time, Microsoft was in discussions to acquire TikTok, and Nimoto didn't feel like it would be the best match. Quote, I've had numerous conversations with the LT of Nintendo about tighter co collaboration and feel like if any U.S. company would have a chance with Nintendo, we are probably the best position, uh, Spencer wrote, where LT is presumably shorthand for leadership team. He added that Microsoft's board of directors has seen the full write-up on Nintendo and Valve, and they're fully supportive on either if opportunity arises as I am. Uh, Spencer also shared that the company was in fairly active M&A uh, discussions around ZeniMax, which resulted in a deal that was announced a month later, and Warner Brothers Interactive, which, is, which did not go through. That's where I'm going to stop in the Verge article, but I want to throw in a quick paragraph here from IGN where they wrote, Spencer outlined a number of blocks on the merger, including the fact that Nintendo seemed uninterested in selling up. Nintendo is, quote, sitting on a pile of cash, Spencer said, and was apparently happy with his current position. As a result, Spencer said he couldn't see an angle on a buyout in the short term, adding, quote, I don't think a hostile action would be a good move, so we are playing the long game, end quote. Jess, how crazy would a Microsoft acquisition of Nintendo be? That is just wild to uh, think about, and I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that, it just seems like that would not be a, a good move for Nintendo and I feel like it almost feels a bit presumptuous from micro Microsoft I don't know that's kind of how I feel about it but. yeah I mean on the business side of things of course you have a plan and a, a course of action if you were to purchase such a Nintendo a valve right like this is a trillion dollar company this is business moves they're looking at all of the key targets saying what would it take to purchase this. So this isn't really wowing information. We mm -hmm. knew that the moment that Microsoft and Xbox got into the, hey, let's start making acquisitions market, we knew that they were gonna drop a list of 50 names and say, here's what it's gonna take to get all of them. So Nintendo, of course, is on your list. So the LeBron James of the video game industry. But as it says in the article, they're sitting on a ton of cash. They are yeah. hot right now and they're not going down and being dethroned anytime soon. So you have to play the long game. If Nintendo is to slip up 15 years from now and is not the same Nintendo, then sure. But right now, of course not. They're not going to get their hands on that. Yeah, I think the thing that the shock, that uh, surprises me in this whole thing is that this is an email that was from August 2020, right? Like if this was a correspondence that happened, let's say 2015 or 2016, before mm -hmm. the Switch came out and we were coming out of Nintendo toward the end of the Wii U era, that I'd start to understand like, all right, I could see how you think that maybe that could be a thing that could line up, right? 2020, where you're three years into the Switch and Nintendo's success, right? Nintendo's turn into, oh, we are balling out right now, right? We are the shit right now. We are killing it. 
it surprises me that like yeah phil spencer is like hey like you know they're sitting on this pile of cash but we want to see what the long-term game is here right like maybe if we waited out like this would be a career move for us i think that's the that's also just a fascinating thing of you go through and the the fun thing about these leaks and these emails is that in them you get you get the big headline, but then you get little trinkets of like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And also we were talking to Cinemax, which we knew, right? But also we were talking to, to WB, which honestly, that right there could have made a lot of sense, right? Yes, Given yeah. the WB's position in the in the gaming industry. Like, just for you, what does a, a do, does WB fit within a Microsoft? Like, if Microsoft were to pursue that? Yeah, I think so, because that feels like more of a natural fit for the Xbox console is having more of these, like, license-based games and more, like, action-y games. And... Something else that's just wild about Nintendo, and I was just thinking when you were talking about like the status of the company at that time, that was right when the pandemic started. It was after Animal mm. Crossing had just dropped, and that was when Switches were... I was working at, uh, not GameSpot, but GameStop at the time, <laughs> and Switches were impossible to get. Like you, they, The supply and demand was like such a problem, um, and so it is wild that that was the time where they were like... Let's do it. Let's let's make a yeah, plan right? and see if we can do that. But WB makes a lot more sense, in my opinion. I'm not hot on WB. I actually mm -hmm. am very pleased with what Microsoft and Xbox have gone for with, mm -hmm. of course, the ZeniMax deal now looking at Activision Blizzard King. I think that's a very strong one. WB, in my opinion, I like WB. I think that we've seen a lot of litigation with WB getting tied up with IPs, getting dissolved, then reemerged into something new mm -hmm. that I worry that if that was the move, you'd be getting the talented teams and studios, but the IPs in question then would become even a bigger headache. And I'm sure mm -hmm. a trillion dollar company could figure it out, but that just doesn't have the lineup that I would want that if we broke out the 50 names that they had, I think we could pick five more that are better than WB in my list. Interesting. See, I'm of a couple of minds with this, right? Again, when we talk about all these acquisition things, I think also a place to, to start an angle from would be consolidation isn't the best thing, right? Like the, nope. idea, the idea of Microsoft buying Nintendo, I think would be fucking wild in a way that maybe probably, not even maybe, I think that wouldn't be good for the industry, if I'm being honest, right? I think one of the great things about the industry currently is that we have... A handful of different big publishers that are tackling things from the diff from these different angles nintendo is the most unique first party publisher right the fact that they have these games that are family friendly the fact that they approach game design in a diff different way from how playstation approaches game design in a different way from how like but that's their xbox game studios approaches game design that is valuable a nintendo that is under microsoft like i don't i don't I don't think that necessarily, I don't think Microsoft's going to acquire Nintendo and go make Halo now, right? Like, that's not how it's going to happen. But I think over time, you probably start to lose the essence and soul of what makes Nintendo Nintendo. And it just turns into this mix of too many cooks in the kitchen. That's exactly what I was going to say is I think that it becomes, especially on Microsoft's end, like an overextension. I mean, because mm -hmm. look at arcane right with redfall earlier this year it's it was something where they later came out and they were like yeah we didn't really give them the support that they needed we it wasn't as good as it could have been and you know i know that the whole game right now is just like bye 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 and have all these properties but at a certain point like that i mean not even just for consumers that's a bad at practice but like for the actual companies themselves it's a bad yeah. practice because you are not able to manage all of those assets and all of that wealth that's just too much and i and i think that's the key thing right like well there was a conversation i was having with greg on the show what a couple months ago and we were talking about um play, playstation studios versus what xbox game studios has and mm -hmm. how how when you look at it on paper 
Xbox Game Studios should be stomping on PlayStation Studios, right? Xbox Game Studios has so many different um, studios that are talented, that know what they're doing, right? That have these storied legacies of different games. When you talk about a Bethesda, when you talk about a Tango Gameworks or uh, the Dishonored Studio, right? When then you talk about the Xbox Game Studios, like core proper studios, there is a roster there that is fucking fire, but mm -hmm. it's hard to manage, right? Because you have so many studios, you haven't put in like the time and effort into creating this focus that a Nintendo or PlayStation has, right? You look at PlayStation Studios, you know what a PlayStation Studios game looks like. You know what they go for. You know what the, the, the vision of that is. I think Xbox Game Studios hasn't necessarily figured out this combined vision. And I don't, I, I think the more and more they acquire, the less and less able they are to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is too much. Now I'll jump in really quick. Isn't that just the growing pains though? Right, we're still early on in this process. You talk about Nintendo and what they have in Sony, right? With Xbox now acquiring multiple different publishers and studios, right? It is going to be growing pains of what was the previous team working on? What was their vision? How do we blend in and support? How do we get 28 different studios in one line and say, hey, this is our vision. Mm -hmm. Everybody's working on a different piece of this. Now we're on track, right? Like we are still very much in the infancy stage of these acquisitions, these studios being brought aboard, understanding the culture, them understanding their culture, blending to give you the best product possible. I do think we're very early on to be like, hey, they're not managing it yet, right? Yeah. We are still very but early. But my, my counter argument to that is when the, when the strategy is to keep buying, 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 when are you taking the time to go, all right, now let's align with each other, right? Like if the next move is, all right, now let's buy WB. I think I think the problem with it, right, and this is why I'm kind of with you, Mike, is that, like, you know, WB is is in a, in a weird place. We're coming off of Gotham Knights. We're coming into Suicide Squad, right? But then there's also, like, some wins. You have Mortal Kombat coming out and killing it from WB. A, if you're going to come through and acquire WB, I think there has to be a plan of, all right, now how do we bring WB into the fold? And right now for Xbox, it does. it feels like the fold is in a billion different places that, and it keeps going that way because you keep acquiring these big, big studios and you aren't able to, like, kind of cre create this vision for yourselves like even within when you, when you take out the bethesda of it when you take out the activision of it and you look at xbox game studios like the core studios that you've already had even that right there that's been around for a while and even that feels like it's lacking the vision as well i feel like that's going to take a long time though creativity is such a, a miss or hit type of thing right mm -hmm. when you talk about creating something especially because if you were let's just say they do acquire wb a number of these studios might become support studios and be brought on to help Halo, Gears, whatever franchise. And then at the same time, you would look at those IPs and now you're throwing a dart at a dartboard, hoping that it hits, right? Hey, we making Suicide Squad a multiplayer game? I don't know if that's going to hit, but we're throwing it because once we commit, we got to commit, right? Am I bringing back Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth? That's a lot of money. I yeah. don't know. And then we throw it, right? So like once you set yourself up, to go do this, you do have to see it through. It's hard to say, hey, we've started Redfall, actually didn't like that, let's stop three years into production, restart, right? Because now we have the cycle of, okay, well now Jess and her team, it's gonna take another three years for them to put out something that we can show and then produce. Like, I, I think we're still early on and yeah, they are acquiring teams here, but that's the goal, right? You bring in a bunch of people, you start to build it up right then and there. So then 10 years, 15, 20 years down the line, I think, they're seeing a big picture play as opposed to the consumer side where we want things now, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you got 15 studios. They should be producing now. It's, hey, we've been in third place for years now. We need to set ourselves up for success that in 2030, 2040, 
Xbox is the dominant player. All of these studios are producing on what we want. I think we this is going to be a wait and see type situation. Interesting. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that though looking looking at it now though and not looking at this long-term plan, um it does feel like this overcorrection to me because I do think that you Nintendo and Sony both have like this very solid identity. Um you know, and I feel like Sony in the last 15 years or so became like the HBO of games, right? It's mm -hmm. like when you when you are buying into a PlayStation console, you know you're getting like the prestige um, story-based games. Um, and it kind of does feel like Xbox is, you know, as you mentioned, just kind of throwing darts and mm -hmm. seeing what sticks and seeing how they can rebuild their identity. So I think that it is a weird uh, growing pain situation and it is going to be a, a wait and see. Um, I do think that, the biggest takeaway I have is that as consumers and as someone who like works in games journalism, right? Um, it's, it's just to kind of closely monitor this stuff because we are getting into an age where everything is consolidating and everything is subscription based. And, you know, I, it's so easy for all of these things to become exclusive and become cut off from other consoles and from certain people who maybe don't have the money to spend a hundred dollars a month on different subscriptions um so i think that it's really just kind of a, a wait and see but also monitor that and pay attention to that yeah as a consumer i think you get caught up in the excitement right oh my god they bought all these studios are going to be under game pass this is crazy and you might not see the outside picture of what that could be entailing but yeah from the consumer side you get jacked up and excited you might not see the repercussions of what's going to happen but yeah fill in the team have a tough balance right of Hey, blessing in this team from whatever studio wants to create this. And of course, I want to tell them, no, you make a prestigious third-person action-adventure story-driven game. You got to do it, right? But we've seen with Phil and the team, they're not doing that, right? Because he can easily snap his fingers and say, everyone's making a copy-paste of The Last of Us. Go, yeah. right? And maybe they don't hit. Some of them will hit, right? But we've clearly seen from this move right now that it's not the standpoint. It is. We're going to give control, our creators enough money and support to be able to create what they want to create. And hopefully it resonates with our audience in this big subscription landscape that is Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, now Xbox Game Pass. I do kind of worry, and I wonder if, if either of you feel the same way, though, that in doing this, they are sacrificing the identity that they did build. You know, I don't think like, I mean, look at the last Halo game, right? Like it didn't do super well. Um, and I wonder, I, I don't know. So like, whenever I was growing up, right, like I associated Xbox with like multiplayer games, shooters, like more of the, I hate using this phrase, like, but, like males. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I, I feel, mean? I feel it, like, that. That's kind of how it was. So I wonder, I'm like, are they sacrificing that identity and that fan base that they've been building over the last like 25 years um, trying to play catch up yeah. with all these other brands? I think they need to grow, right? I think you just can't rest on Halo Gears. I mean, Forza's really coming to its own and Forza's great, but like you can't rest on Halo and Gears any longer, right? I think we've seen a steady drop off especially in such a competitive market that is the first person multiplayer shooter genre right is now it's hey how do we expand we've seen the competition expand into different alleyways that we haven't done well in we need to do that because halo just isn't cutting it like it used to yeah uh moving on to story number three Huge Microsoft leak reveals plans for a 2028 next gen cloud hybrid Xbox this is Wesley Yenpool at IGN the Microsoft leaks continue. This time, we have a clear idea of the company's plans for its next-generation Xbox console due out 2028. It, uh, it's this slide that reveals Microsoft's plans as of last year. 
The company plots out a next-generation hybrid game platform that combines the power of the client and the cloud to enable new levels of performance beyond the capabilities of the client hardware alone. The slide goes into details about the unannounced hardware, which potentially includes an ARM64 CPU and an AMD GPU. Quote, for compatibility is mentioned. Uh, there's also a word of next-gen next DirectX ray tracing, uh, dynamic global illumination, machine learning-based super resolution, and micro-polygon uh, rendering optimizations. Here's where it gets really interesting. The slide mentions a, quote, thin OS for sub-$99 consumer or ha handheld devices. The suggestion here is Microsoft plans for gamers to be able to use the handheld or be able to use a handheld uh, of some description to play games boosted by the cloud. Uh, in another slide, Microsoft mentions cloud hybrid games for its next-gen Xbox. Yet another slide reveals the timeline for the production of this new console. Microsoft is currently in the hardware design phase uh, if it's still on track with this plan outlined last year. Development kits are, are set for 2027. It looks like a late 2028 release was the original target. Mike, my Xbox guy, does this sound exciting for a new console? Yeah, of course, right? I mean, this is all just words on a piece of paper right now until we see the vision later on. But it is always what we talk about, right? Jason Ronald and this Xbox hardware team are working night in and day out of like, what is next, right? The moment that they come out with the Series X, you know they're already looking at the next stuff they need to produce to get onto the next console of things. And yeah, this is the future of Xbox, right? A, a some sort of hybrid blend of cloud gaming and utilizing that power to bring it to your console directly inside of your home and give you the most out of it, right? Like everybody looks at, of course, PCs and we look at the high end and we go, we want that, but we also know what consoles are there for. Of course, that is a more affordable outlet for people to buy a console inside their house, not a thousand dollar PC. So you're looking for the best specs possible right now because we have to now start producing it as soon as possible for 2027, 2028. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this seems on track for me. We'll talk more about the console hybrid blend because I know when we talk about the updated version of the Xbox Series X and S, I think that's where the comments will light up as we yeah. move away from discs and we move into very digital cool. futures. So we'll we'll get more comments in that one soon. Yeah, I do, I do want to hear what Jess has to say about the handheld portion of this specifically right because in talking about these next gen ideas of course we're already early to mid current gen now right it feels early to be really like I, i'm sure even microsoft in these emails they're early with it right these are all non-finalized things but you're seeing a lot of terminology here that we've seen thrown around lately right this idea of uh machine learning um uh like upsampling type stuff that's the kind of stuff we see in dlss that's the type of stuff we've seen in the uh leaked switch 2 reports of them trying to use a dlss type technology to make switch games look better for the switch 2 it seems like that is the bandwagon that hardware companies are starting to hop on because that is where you can get even better looking games. Um, but between that, between cloud and between the handheld stuff, Jess, like how does that speak to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that it all makes sense, right? Like it kind of feels like that is the future that we're headed towards for better or for worse. Um, I think that I do read that and I wonder if that is going to be the next like mainline console or if this is something where they're planning on it being a more experimental thing along the lines of like the Vita or like the, you know what I mean? Something mm -hmm. that's more like secondary. Um, so I don't know because it's, I think it's weird to think of this home console, right? Like transitioning to be more of a mobile, like not mobile, but like portable thing. It almost feels like them looking at the switch and going, how yeah. do we do this in the Xbox way? Yeah. Well, and even Steam Deck too, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think that to me, it would almost make more sense if this is, 
something that goes alongside their console, not only just because they'll make more money, which is what companies want to do, but like, look at, like I said, like the Steam Deck and a PC, right? Like you can play your Steam games on either or, and yep. like you can take it on the go. I, I think that that seems like a natural direction for Microsoft to go. So that's kind of what I would anticipate. And that fits their strategy of yeah. play however you want, play wherever you want, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you can play on console, you can play on PC, you can play on your Samsung smart TVs via cloud. I think the handheld thing probably is an extension of that, whether it's a cloud handheld device, which I mean, we've seen PlayStation they're doing with the with mm -hmm. Project Q, um, or no, it has a name now, Project or a PlayStation Portal. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's that or like, you know, like I, I think whether it's that or whether it's something that is built into the hardware, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, hey, we've figured out DLSS type technology to where actually it is running natively on a handheld device and you're able to get these same experiences out of your games on handheld as you are on the TV. That seems like a far-flung future, but I think it's worth thinking about if you're Microsoft and you're trying to figure out what is the next frontier of how do we make video games more interesting and more worthwhile if we're going to sell another uh, another console. I also think it just makes Game Pass more attractive too because it's like, oh, you have Game Pass? Well, you can play it on either one of these things. And, you know, looking at the development kits for 2027 and 2028 release, like, you have to also consider they just released this console. A lot of people still have yet to, per you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who do have it, but it's kind of split, right? There are some people who are still, you just, you know, rocking the Xbox One. Um, so I think that, they they wouldn't want to lose the goodwill of their fan base and their audience by being like, hey, I know we just released this, and also we have this in the works. It makes more sense to me for this to be a secondary thing that would accompany it rather than a new, this is the new console. Moving on with more leaked information. Story number four, leaked Xbox emails uh, reveal Microsoft's scramble to fill huge hole in 2022 game lineup. This is Wesley Yenpool at IGN. The revelations from leaked Microsoft emails are coming in thick and fast. Uh, the latest set reveals Microsoft's scramble to find video games to fill in a gap in its lineup in 2022. The email chain kicked off with a message from Xbox boss Phil Spencer sent in May 2022 to a raft of senior Xbox staff, including head of Microsoft Studios Matt Booty, Sarah Bond, who leads Microsoft's gaming business development team, and Xbox chief financial officer Tim Stewart. Spencer does not mince his words, uh, pointing to the high-profile delay of Bethesda Game Studios Starfield out of 2022 into 2023, a lack of clarity on when Arcane's Redfall would come out, and understandable delays to Stalker 2, whose developer GSC GameWorld is contending with the war in Ukraine. Quote, I feel we are in a huge hole with our games lineup, Spencer said, before predicting a 16th-month gap between the launch of Halo Infinite in December 2021 and the release of Redfall without, quote, big exclusive launches on our platform. This is really a disaster situation for us, given all we've invested in content across studios at our Game Pass content fund. We need to learn from this and build a plan forward, end quote. Spencer then issued a call to arms for his Xbox team to sign third-party games to fill the hole, quote, Let's roll up the sleeves and get planning on the next two years of games, end quote. Uh, further into the email chain is talk of the difficulty associated with getting day and date releases for Xbox Game Pass. Defund D&D, as Microsoft calls it, uh, from a big hitter such as EA or Ubisoft, Microsoft would have to drive other parts of his business hard. This includes pushing existing live service games from first-party studios such as Bethesda's The Elder Scrolls Online, Rare's Sea of Thieves, Mojang's Minecraft, or Playground's uh, Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Free-to-Play. What follows is a detailed and revelatory assessment of third-party options for day-and-date game, uh, day game pass launches to fill Microsoft's lineup hole. 
Perhaps the most eye-catching entry here is Red Dead Redemption 2, a day and date for Gen 9, which suggests a next-gen update for Rockstar's Epic was, as of uh, last year, set to come out. Also worth noting is Microsoft's comment on Baldur's Gate 3, which it described as a second-run Stadia PC RPG. The email also revealed the astonishing amount of money Microsoft is spending securing these day-and-date deals. Microsoft estimated it would cost $5 million to secure Baldur's Gate 3, $35 million to, st- to snag LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga for Game Pass, $50 million for Dying Light 2, $100 million for Assassin's Creed Rift, that's the code name for the upcoming Assassin's Creed Mirage, and then $250 million for Rocksteady Suicide Squad, which still hasn't come out, and an eye-watering $300 million for Respawn's Star Wars Jedi Survivor. The email chain ends with Spencer suggesting Microsoft go after From Software's Dark Souls series for Game Pass, a move that would benefit from the huge launch of Elden Ring. So far, this is yet to pan out. The long article there, a lot of juicy details, Mike. Yeah, a lot of details, and we're going to have a, a good conversation about this one because, of course, if you listen to the XCast, if you were an Xbox owner during that time, you know we went on a large drought. Right after a console's release, we had the next gen in our hands, and we proceeded to sit there and twiddle our thumbs looking for a first-party release that would save us from what was that big drought. But I will say, I think you know this email did get the point across because that team did buckle down. They did deliver third-party titles. We have talked about it on the XCast, and I'm sure any Game Pass owner will tell you, Game Pass delivered these past two years, right? It was very tough on the first-party side, but man, oh man, Sarah Bond and that team got to stay in date titles. There was third-party deals galore that kept you busy and kept you occupied while you waited for first-party titles and probably saved this generation. I think we'll look back on it and be like, man, Game Pass and the third parties really nailed it and saved what was a slow start to where we needed to be. And the wild part for me is when you look at this, you see the dollar amounts tied to these games. And if you look right now, I mean, we got Party Animals coming. Payday 3 is coming. You had C and Stars. Lies of P. Lies of P. Mm -hmm. You can go down the list. We could go from the past two years to today. If you started adding up numbers like this, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in third-party partnerships. This isn't first-party. This isn't hardware. This is us going to others saying, we will give you a fat check to please bring your stuff over here day and date so our players have something because, right, we're building this business. I need people to subscribe to Game Pass, and I need people to start coming into the Xbox ecosystem because Sony and Nintendo are just beating us up for our lunch money right now. Yeah. And I, I have to give them massive credit because EA Play has been a big deal. There's 100 games that we could go down that were massive day-and-date titles that saved this for the past two years. So whatever email was sent when this was, it did work because that team really buckled down and made it happen. Yeah. Um, another, of course, fascinating tidbit from here is Red Dead Redemption 2, right? That yeah. getting a current-gen remaster just for you. Are you somebody that played and liked Red Dead Redemption 2? I actually, so I, I am not really a rock star person, but that said, I have heard that I do need to try Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. So, like, if it came out, that's cool because, like, that would be the type of game that I would play. So, yeah. I, I think that that would actually be great for people like me who maybe shied away from from the company and who are like, okay, but I'll try this. Yeah, yeah. right. And, like, I think, 
you know, you look at how good that game looks on PS4 and Xbox One and imagine what that looks like on a PS5 and you're like, whoo, or an Xbox Series X. It's a beautiful game, yeah. It's a gorgeous game. Yeah. Like one of the most gorgeous open world games I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, and to your point, right? Like I look at the, the GTA trilogy and mm-hmm. for me as somebody who I am a rock star person, yeah, I love GTA. Yeah. I played the hell out of San Andreas until I rage quit because the bugs <laughs> just got to me. <laughs> I got a crash at the end of a certain mission where I was like, fuck this, I'm out. I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. But you go back then and you look at the reports back then of Rockstar having more plans for remasters and remakes and stuff, but deciding to, um, you know, bring those a bit back because of the reception of GTA Trilogy, right? They yeah, look at yeah. that and they're like, oh man, we mucked that up. Like, let's not just release these things uh, willy-nilly. Very fascinating though that as of last year, it seems like a Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, remaster is planned. How much do you think that would have been for Game Pass? Oh. If we're talking Jedi Survivor, 300 million. You're looking at Assassin's Creed coming at 100 million. 20, 250 million for Rockstar Suicide Squad. How much for Red Dead Redemption 2 Next Gen Edition? That's what I mean. It's gotta be a lot of money. Do we think that? Yeah, see, I think I think the place where I mean, it's it definitely money, up there with Star Wars. Yeah, I, I think it, say, I think it might be up there with Star Wars, but it's the fact that this is a re release, right? Like Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Think about like if Red Dead Redemption 2 Remastered was coming out this year versus Jedi Survivor, and we haven't gotten either. I think there's still more hype from the audience about a Jedi Survivor yeah. coming out as a new video game versus a Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out. As a re- that said, it's still going to be maybe a hun- like 100 million. Well, and I, I think, too, that something that us in the, the business sometimes don't necessarily think about, and this is something that I always try to keep in mind whenever I'm like writing articles or like, you know, doing whatever is outside of the people who like know and love video games and are super invested licenses matter a lot more like look at hogwarts legacy there were Mm -hmm. lots of people Mm -hmm. within the industry who like weren't super psyched about it games still did super well because there are hundreds of thousands of people millions of people who love harry potter and who Mm -hmm. maybe aren't the people who are on ign and GameSpot, you know or watching this and like leaving comments but they just know and love that franchise so i mean when you look at rocksteady suicide squad and respawn star wars and how much they're paying for it it makes sense because like those are licensed games that are going to attract a wider like group of people who just love pop culture. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, something like Red Dead Redemption, obviously a very, very beloved game and very um popular and you know, great like yeah. you can't you can't say that like you know, tens Rockstar of millions games of don't sold. sell yeah. like they do. Um, but I do think that you end up paying more for the licensed things. That's kind of why I could see something like WB being something that Microsoft would want to acquire. Yeah, like I think a day and date Mortal Kombat one would be would push the needle a bit more oh, than yeah. a remastered mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. And I think, honestly, for Red Dead Redemption 2, I would be so fascinated to hear those talks because I think Rockstar would look at them and go, oh, we're charging you, fuck it. We're $500 million if yeah. you want to put yeah. this on your platform. And I think Xbox would go, no. Yeah, it would, <laughs> like, it would it'd yeah. be a negotiation for sure. Yeah. Another interesting one that I look at is, like, we talk about the third-party day-and-date deals, but leaning on pushing our live existing live service games, right? I would love to be in that conference room of like, how much money did they bring in, right? We talk about this new landscape of monetization. We talk about games always coming after players' wallets and how players are frustrated and they just want to play the game, right? When you look at Xbox during that period, it was very much, hey, we have to hit live service games. We're pushing this. We don't have any other titles. I'd love to see the big board of like, what did Halo Infinite do? Because it was so hot at launch. People criticized 
the storefront, the, they loved the battle pass, but they criticized all the monetization techniques. Did it pay off for them? Did they make enough at the end of the day to maybe rival a Call of Duty, get into the league of Call of Duty, Apex, Dude, Fortnite, of we make imagine? this much money off of our live service games? Here's, Did it work? Here's the thing, right? You look at the part in this article where it talks about the fun day and date Game Pass games. Uh, Microsoft has to focus on other parts of his business hard, right? And they're talking about specifically, this includes pushing existing live service games. And so they're talking about Elder Scrolls Online, Rare Sea of Thieves, Mo Yang's Minecraft, uh, Playgrounds, Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Free-to-Play, right? Those are the games that they're relying on to then get us these third-party games on, day, on Game Pass mm -hmm. day and date. The Liza P's, the Sea of Stars, et cetera, et cetera. Can you fucking imagine when they get Call of Duty, and Call of Duty now is, the, is their live service game that is bringing money, the third-party mm -hmm. games that are going to be coming to Game Pass, if they're going this hard for it, mm -hmm. it's going to be off the chain. Like, it's yeah. going to be absolutely insane the kind of games we're going to be getting on Game Pass based on Call of Duty bringing in that money. Call of Duty probably bringing in more money than all these games combined. Yeah. Maybe Minecraft. Minecraft is definitely Minecraft is big. Uh, yeah, I think when I look at this list, I'm like, all right, Minecraft was clearly the heavy hitter, right? Forza had a good time right there. Rare Sea of Thieves continues to stay strong. I don't know where Elder Scrolls is on the MMO RPG level, right? We talk about Final Fantasy 16 or 14 a lot. Mm. We talk about World of Warcraft. Not many people in my circle talk about Elder Scrolls, but it's got an audience there. And then Halo free to play, right? Like they got stuff, but yeah. nothing is Minecraft or Call of Duty level there yeah. out of that yeah. list. And then before we move on from the story, I think the other thing to point out would be, uh, man, what a flub to not get Baldur's Gate 3. I know. Five I million dollars. Like that. Baldur's Gate 3 being five million versus. We had to have split screen. Versus Lego Combo Star Wars. Parody. We can't do anything without it. Lego they, Star Wars. They should have looked at each other and said, we're throwing that clause out the window. You release the game right now. Right? Yeah. And like, that's a tough one because that Larian team created something very big, very special. Right. And it is very difficult to come as a game on PC that they've been working on while it's actually still in early access, make sure that's perfect, and then go, okay, now let's look at the console ports. Are those perfect? Oh, God, we just made a 500-plus-hour game. It's going to be a while. Let's freaking do this. And then Xbox be like, well, you got to have it on par with our lower-tier system. And they're like, sorry, homie. We're not ready for that one, you know? Yeah. Like, no, it's that so, should have happened. The, the way that that game was underestimated is so funny to me because I actually um, I realized, I was like, I don't think that GameSpot did a formal review of, like, once it came out and so i went on to like our site and i typed it in and yeah the only review we have of it is from 2021 or 2020 when it was like first and early mm -hmm. access and we gave it a six out of ten because we were like oh it's like super unfinished and and we like haven't revisited since but i'm like that's so funny considering yeah. it's like i mean it's it, gotta be in the top it's 10 one games that, that snuck up on, on me i think snuck up on a lot of us in the industry right yeah. because it's a bit it's not low-key but it is on a silo yeah of, it's a crpg on pc well like once <laughs> we started trying to draft it and like once we started getting closer to it i was like oh shit we gotta start paying attention to Baldur's gate 3 because yeah. this is coming from larian they made divinity original sin 2 that was the game of the year contender the year it came out like this game's about to be big and you know there's an article here from polygon where they they type, talk about microsoft completely misjudging Baldur's gate 3 and then cromwell who works over there at larian quote tweeted and said in their defense so did everyone else same with divinity original sin 2 it comes with the genre and the way we approach things and the way we execute things there just isn't any existing data that could have told anyone how uh, bg3 was going to perform we just had to take giant spooky leaps true and even true. with that though like like you like i i like i understand how maybe you get to five million dollars as your estimate on like what it would take to get Baldur's gate 3 on game mm -hmm. pass mm -hmm. but like even for 
like forty million dollars. Like if it ends up being getting up there and you're negotiating with Larian, you should pay that anyway. <laughs> like yeah. that should have been the price for it. It's a very large industry, and there are people that are paid a lot of money to be very in depth. Matt Booty, Sarah Bond, and others from each team, right? That are supposed to be looking at everything in the landscape and trying to pick which one it is. And it's tough to look at thousands upon thousands of studios making different games and go. This is going to be the one. We got to bank on it, right? And they're going to slip through the cracks, and they missed the big one there, unfortunately. Well, we got a lot more to talk about with yep. this Xbox leak situation, but I want to talk to you about patreon.com slash games. Over on patreon.com slash kindoffunny, you can go and get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I can't even count the amount of nights I lose sleep because I just can't stop thinking and my brain just won't stop talking. It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace and it can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. Some of my best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash kindoffunny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash kindoffunny. Betterhelp.com slash kind of funny. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And we're back with story number five. Another story that could have been story number one on any given day. Xbox Series mid-generation refresh consoles are planned for 2024 release. This is according to court documents. This is George Yang at IGN. It seems like Microsoft is preparing for a mid-generation refresh of the Xbox Series X and S consoles for release during August and October 2024, respectively. According to leaked documents from the FTC, the upgraded Series X console is codenamed Brooklyn and is digital only, similar to the current Xbox Series S. Instead of a rectangular console, Brooklyn is shaped like a cylinder. It's sick. I like this. This looks look. like an air filter. Yeah. I love this. Look. They traded in the mini fridge for the air filter. Is this not just the Drake and Josh episode where he got the game sphere? Oh, <laughs> yes. It's spherical. Like, oh that's just, it's just, it's, this is just a game sphere. Come on. Uh, as for its specifications, the document lists that it boasts 12 teraflops with 4K resolution with 16 gigabytes of RAM. Additionally, it'll have two terabytes of storage, which is generous cons- considering uh, that the console is, a di- is digital only. Microsoft also seems to plan to market the new console's sustainability. The document notes that it reduces PSU supply by 15% and has a new low-power standby mode that is 20% of the current iteration standby mode. Furthermore, the console comes in 100% recyclable packaging. The Xbox Series S also looks like it'll be receiving a mid-generation refresh too. It is codenamed Elwood and offers 10 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, According to the leaked documents, Microsoft is planning on announcing Elwood and Brooklyn simultaneously around summer 2024. So that could probably be like an E3, probably Summer Game Fest. Probably not even, but Summer Game Fest joint. 
Uh, the leaked timeline also notes that Elwood is scheduled to launch at the end of August 2024, while Brooklyn will launch at the end of October 2024. Both will launch at the same price as their current Series X and S counterparts. That's uh, $300 and $500, respectively. That's Mark, sweet. That's awesome. That's sweet. Microsoft's reasoning for the two-month release gap between the consoles is that Elwood would have its own moment to shine before Brooklyn takes over the holiday time frame. There's a, a lot to dig into here. Jess, does the idea of another like mid-generation console refresh excite you? I don't know if it excites me, um, but I think that it seems like a necessary move. I also think it's really funny, and I wonder if it was like, I don't know, L Wood. Is it supposed to be like L Woods from Legally Blonde? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, why is it named that? Um, I love Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn with an I. Brooklyn with an I is yeah. like, I want to know. That does sound like somebody else's name. Yeah. Like, like a Brooklyn, you know, like two different names, but... I, I kind of like that as a project name. Yeah. Project yeah. I mean, that doesn't really matter, but um, no, I, to answer your actual question. Yeah. I mean, I think that for someone like me who I, I, I have, you know, the Xbox series X, like it doesn't impact me a lot. Um, but it, th- it seems like a smart move for the company, right? Especially like for the holiday 2024 period at that point, um, you know, a lot of people who might still have the series, not series X, but the uh, Xbox one, um might be like okay i've had this for a couple years like maybe certain things are going down in price or maybe there's a deal around the holidays like this is the time in which i want to buy it yeah mike how does this wreck you uh yeah this is tracking correctly right Mm -hmm. like we just talked about the next generation aiming for 2027 dev kits and 2028 release right so yeah we do we are here in the midway point of this we do need to release this so it has x amount of years of lifespan and we can sell those units and then hopefully cross a little bit into the next gen as well, kind of sitting there with it. But this tracks if what I'm looking at. I love the look of it. I am really interested in that. I think this is where I brought up the a little bit ago where we'll get the comments. An all digital future, a lot of people aren't hot on, right? Yeah. A lot of people do like the physical media. People do like that physical ownership of yeah. something and not losing it, right? And Xbox is very much moving towards a, hey, we would like to go all digital, for a number of reasons, but it looks like this is another step towards that. Whether they do come out with an external <laughs> disc dr- disc tray for someone yeah. to be able to play those games, that's great. But for me personally, I love the all digital future. I'm in on that. I prefer it, that. It's wild because me and Tim were just having this conversation yesterday about the Switch Two and whether or not the Switch Two will use cartridges, mm. right? And like the question, the question always is, are we there yet? Have we gotten to the place with network and, inter- and internet and the accessibility of it that people are going to be able to accept in all digital future? Yeah, and I think that that's the hard thing, right? Is because there are still so many people in rural areas who like maybe don't have the infrastructure um, to support an all digital future. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I think that it could very quickly become very, I don't know, exclusive. Um, yeah. which, which I worry about. I do think something else to note with this though, um, you know, not to get on the soapbox too hard. Right. Is like, I do like that. It's going towards a more sustainable, like as far as the packaging goes, Bring it up. Actual, Let's, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think that that's really great, especially because like there are so many conversations right now, um, as far as technology being something that isn't sustainable, sustainable anymore, whether it's, you know, you're talking about the amount of waste produced by like bitcoin or so, you know things like that yeah. like i the I, fact that we all have these machines in our houses that are sitting yeah. in the standby mode that are that's just yeah. eating just up draining power. power yeah so i mean so to have them kind of take this firm stance is like yeah like we're we're going to make something that's more sustainable that's great and i feel like microsoft does 
deserve kudos for the fact that they do kind of push for accessibility and sustainability, which are two things to where as this because gaming becomes this thing that's taking over in a way that we all saw coming, I feel like if you if you are part of the gaming sphere, but um, you know, as as it becomes something that takes over, like that's really, really important. And no. it's, it's fascinating to see it also I mean, they've not marketed it yet because they've not announced it. But, like, when you look at the image of all the bullet points they have, it feels like they want to market this thing as a sustainable company. Yeah. Like, that's one of the key bullet points of, hey, yeah, like, it's going to have more terabyte, uh, terabytes. It's going to have this. It's going to have that. But also, like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to save power. You're going to, like, we're going to have recyclable packaging. That is the very core aspect of this thing. And uh, Xbox isn't new to it. Like, this, yeah. um, they won, I think it was either DICE Award or GDC Awards. I forget which one. But they won, like, the green award essentially mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. maybe it might have been gamescom actually it was a gamescom yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah like xbox they've been doing it and to your point yeah that and accessibility has been mm -hmm. two very big focuses for them and it's a thing that i think is awesome right like within the structures of capitalism like there yeah, there yeah. becomes little reason aside from tax breaks and shit to like go after these kind of initiatives but these uh, moves like this give me the vibe that somebody over there cares like somebody over there <laughs> yeah. is really pushing for these things well, and, I and think, good for them like i and you know what like you're saying in our capitalist landscape right like i try not to be too chummy with any corporations because at the end of the day mm. they're all corporations but like i do for all of the the sony pony accusations that are flung at GameSpot, especially because of that whole like leaked thing that said like oh the GameSpot, you know sony ponies like that was another xbox email that was leaked mm. um but no like i do think that like microsoft as a company does these things that like very consistently impressed me as far as they actually do have someone who cares and we even talked about it a little bit ago as far as they use these big money makers and these big um like you know free to play games or whatever as ways to bring in this money so they can support third parties um and i think that even that in itself is another way in which they kind of give back it's like and I'm not give back. Give back's the wrong word. But yeah. it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, not contribute just, to something good. Yeah. It's, you know, like we talk about it in news writing where it's like, you know, you give one, you take one. It's like, yes, you have to write like all of these, you know, guides and news articles that are maybe not as like enticing, right? But you mm -hmm. do that to pay the bills. And then you also get to work on these big features that maybe like take more time and, and don't make as much money or whatever. But like you, you get to do the meaningful work. And so I do like this to see that like Microsoft is kind of doing that same thing too, right? Where it's like they have their core games that are making them money. And then they're also trying to dig in and like do these things that they find meaningful. They support these games that they're like, okay, maybe the studio can't like do something on their own, but like we're going to give them the funding to support yeah, this dream. I like that. Um, the so conflict yeah, I don't of the know. world, the pendiments of the world, yeah, like, exactly. you know, seeing, seeing them messing around with different size titles. Yeah. To move us back onto the consoles, because, yeah. yeah, I could keep talking about environment <laughs> and going green with all of you two so much. And, yeah, you guys already nailed it on that one. But back on the consoles, there is a number of things to talk about here, right? We talk about two terabytes of storage, right? Yeah. Xbox and Microsoft have tried to elevate the storage platform a lot, right? We were stuck with just one option. We are now elevating to two options. Hopefully more options on the storage side. We just saw the Xbox Series S get a refresh with one terabyte of storage space. So it is great that we're pushing more, especially if you want to go all digital. Right now, I just downloaded NBA 2K, and it's like 170 gigs, right? Oh so God. it's like, <laughs> you better give me more storage on this one. I do like seeing that uh, the price points are big, right? We talk mm -hmm. about this. I am very interested in to see what their competitor Sony does, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about these mid-gen updates, will Sony stick at the same price point? Do they elevate by 50 or $100? Very interesting to see that Microsoft the wants to stick at these price points that they already currently are at. Do we lose out on the current Xbox Series 
uh, consoles that we have. Like them introducing these new yeah. models at the same price. Does that mean that the current S and X are out of here? I would believe so, because when you look at it, it doesn't seem like a massive refresh where it's like, oh, this is changing it up, and now we can have three SKUs. It mm -hmm. does feel like, hey, we're going to replace yeah. these. It feels and like move forward Series X Model else. 2. And yeah. It does. When you bring up the image, if you were to look at it online, they did have a number of things, right? They're bringing in faster onboard Wi-Fi, right? So we talk about yeah. using the Internet and that power. That's a positive. If you look at the front of the new Series X, that will have a USB-C cord on that one so that's kind of interesting for faster charging capabilities i like seeing that continue to elevate the smaller things but also the tiered different launches of this having one come out in what was that august right bless and then the mm -hmm. next one in october into mm -hmm. november yeah that will be interesting to see the rollout of that i think you clearly introduced them both at the same time it's great we know it's coming now but yeah it'll be I interesting to smart, see that rollout right I like, like free how do you feel about that because like i think Separating them out get, does give them both a moment to shine. And then also, I think the reason why somebody buys a Series S versus a Series X does come down to, hey, I, I just want the box, right? Like, I'm looking yeah. for a deal. Like, I, wanna, I want the least common denominator so I can enjoy my games. Having that come out in August for the people that want to show up to that and then having the Series X, I'll call it the Model 2, having that come out right before the holiday, right before Black Friday for that holiday rush for the people that are, all right, now we want to spend the big bucks for this mm -hmm. thing. I think that might serve them both well as opposed to dropping them both at the same time. Yeah. yeah. The chat does bring up a good point. What happens with the disc one? So I guess, yeah, you would still have an Xbox Series I mean, X I with a disc, or you're going to come out with an additional $100 external disc tray I that think that's you can yeah. go buy. Exactly and it's like, hey, we now sell digital consoles only, but for $50, $100, here's the disc tray if you want to put in 50 Cent Blood in the Sand, if you want to put in NCAA football, whatever those games are yeah. that you have to have the disc tray for. Didn't they do that, have that before? Somebody did that last gen where they released a like a, a disc drive that was separate. Unless I'm making this up. Are, are you, are you of, thinking of the, what was it? The, had the DVD one or yeah. something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're uh, kind of funny slash you're wrong. Did the Xbox mm -hmm. One have some, um, some sort of thing? People are saying the H, okay, maybe I'm thinking of the HD DVD. HD DVD. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that's, I think that'd be a smart so, way to go about yeah, it. Yeah, that, that honestly seems like a smart move. I, I could see, I mean, because like, look at Apple too, right? Like if you want to look at big tech companies that kind of create their own ecosystem and their own system of, you know, oh, and you can also buy this accessory and you can buy this accessory. Um, that's something that I could see other tech companies oh, simulating. Give me your yeah. money, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a corporation. They will gladly go all digital. And if you want to pay X amount of dollars for a disc tray, they'll gladly spend that with you. It's right. Yeah. Story number six. Yep. We got some new Xbox controller leaks. Uh, this come from uh, Jordan Midler at Video Games Chronicle. The next evolution of the Xbox controller will have improved haptic feedback, an accelerometer, speakers, and a rechargeable and replaceable battery. Finally, they did it. <laughs> you know what I mean, Mike? They did it. This, uh, yeah, yeah, they did it, bless. So, uh, the, con God. the controller appears in unredacted court documents published overnight, seemingly in error, which include an internal Microsoft document titled Roadmap to 2030. The document includes information on Microsoft's mid-generation console refresh, which says the new consoles will come in uh, will come with an all-new, more immersive controller. This controller, codenamed uh, Sibyl, Sibyl, Mike, how would you say? I, it? I have no idea on that one. Sibyl, Sibyl. Yeah, I was gonna go with that. It's right there. Sibyl. Sibyl sounds better than Sibyl. Yeah, Sibyl <laughs> sounds disgusting, right? Yeah, I don't like doesn't, that. Doesn't sound great. Uh, it is detailed in the document with all of its new features listed. These new features include the following. Improved precision haptic feedback using VCA, that's voice coil actuators, uh, which double as speakers. An accelerometer, which also adds a lift to wake feature. 
modular thumbsticks, a rechargeable battery, which can be swapped out, and then quieter buttons and thumbsticks. Uh, the documents also says the controller will still have special edition and limited edition color variations as expected and will also be added to Xbox Design Lab service, which lets players create their own custom controllers. The controller appears to largely feature the same form factor as the current Xbox controllers. Uh, however, it appears that the bottom half of the controller may use a different material for the purposes of grip. It has uh, little pants. It wears some yeah. pants. Hell yeah. SpongeBob SquarePants looking ass controller over there. <laughs> uh, the new controller will accompany <laughs> Brooklyn and Elwood. The planned mid-generation refreshes for the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, respectively. Mike, you're known as the number one hater for the DualSense. Do you, yeah. How do you feel about Xbox looking at the competition and going, you know what? PlayStation does have good ideas. Let's take the controller and make it our own. Uh, they looked at the competition. They said they had better ideas than us. We need to put it in ours. Good so for them. Kudos you know? to them. I kudos. was wrong. You were right, but I Mike, will you're say gonna have to accept it. You're gonna have to get used to it. The Xbox used to have to. has an incredible controller already. I am kind of blown away that we are now moving towards another controller, right? I think they've refined it over the years. I think this newest controller that they have, we'll just call it the core. We're not talking about the Xbox, you know, elite core controller. I'm just talking about the core controller that they sell in the box. Mm. I thought they nailed. I am very interested and a little skeptical on seeing this. I don't like the two-tone. It does look a little bit different than the normal core controller that you would get. And so I do have some initial thoughts of hesitation, but I think this sell of the universal controller is where we need to be, right? Bluetooth and Xbox capabilities be able to instantly hook up to your Xbox console, your PC, your TV, yep. your iPhone, whatever it may be. That's what we're going for is to sell you one controller for 40 to $70 where you buy it and guess what? Just now at her house has a controller to play on her TV. Blessing, you can now play it on your phone. It has all the Xbox ecosystem. Probably going to come bundled with Game Pass capabilities for one month, three months. Like, that's how you get people in. But this was the move when we talked about, are they making a streaming stick? Are they making a all-digital-only console that will be able to plug into anybody's TV and go, right? Now you just get it down to refine to a controller. Mm -hmm. Hey, your TV can handle the app. Hey, your phone can handle the app. Here's just the controller. That's all you need. It's a pretty interesting move here, and it seems like mm. that's what this is going to be. Mm. Gary, can you bring back up the image of the controller? Because I want to be a hater for a second. Okay. I want to be a hater for okay. a second. I hate the two-tone. I hate the two-tone also. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I do it. not like the pants. Well, also, so, like, I think the Xbox controller is, like, the most comfortable controller, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I'm a huge fan of it. So, like, I do think that the haptics and stuff will be really cool. I do think that is something that they should add in. But, like... Quieter buttons, I like. Yeah, the quieter buttons are great, too. I like too. Uh, increased durability. I yeah. think my biggest complaint is they always break. Yeah. They've also now start Watch. selling parts where you can repair them yourself. So, that's nice. But I do just, when we look at this, I don't like... Uh, what do you want to call those? Yeah, the handles the seem yeah. skinnier yeah. there, and See, it's just I don't know about this, this layout. This right might now. be one of the good results of this leak, right? Mm -hmm. Is the fact that yeah. they've not uh, like they still have time. Yeah. So I hope I like I hope they see a response and go, <laughs> how do we make this look more sleek? Because I think I I, I hope they keep the pants just because yeah. you have to imagine all of those controllers are just so cold. The the pants know? are in. <laughs> the pants are in. That is a rubberized I grip almost, for sure. That's so what if, that's gonna be. If they want to do the grip, I almost would like it to. <laughs> real controllers have curves. I would like it to kind of like curve up more. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree though. Like yeah, I think like, I think if you if they change the way the curve like the grip. Uh, I guess is form factored around the controller yeah. and maybe made it a bit more stylish. I think you you'll have something there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. as of this looks right now, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, of I like uh, the Mike, lift to turn uh, just, on. I think that's interesting. That's smart. That's right, really like cool. there's some cool features here of like the lift to turn on, mm -hmm. uh, the voice. 
right? I'm not a big fan of the PlayStation mic, but I find it so novel and fun that at any moment you could press it and start talking. Yeah. I think that saves you $60 from buying a headset, right? Like, sure, it's not the best quality, but hey, there's me and Jess. Now we're talking walkie-talkie status. Boom, I didn't have to yeah. buy a $100 headset. That's incredible. I love and the phrase course, walkie-talkie status. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> walkie-talkie status on those things. Uh, really quick, Mike, just for the record, because I saw Jess react to you saying that you've uh, broken several Xbox yes. controllers. <laughs> How many Xbox uh, Elite controllers have you broken? Just for Jess, the I am on my Xbox Elite controller number five. I have oh. broken four before. Actually, three have been truly broken fourth one is kind of ugly now well what's so funny is you said that you're like i like the durability because they always break and i was like nodding and agreeing yes. with you and then i was like wait a second so the shoulder <laughs> buttons for me have always been a problem i know okay. a lot of people will get at stick drift a lot of people will talk about the grip bubbling up and coming off the controller yeah. with the glue for me it's always been the shoulder buttons i think when you play a lot of dark souls games in particular <laughs> especially i'm looking at you lies of p right now you are rolling, smashing rolling, rolling. that shoulder button. Mike's not telling the truth. Mike is so getting mad at when Mike is getting killed by bosses and then like tossing the shoulder at the wall. That's really what uh, Microsoft yes. is doing. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're frustrating me. We've seen the clip of you throwing a Joy-Con. I imagine that's what you're doing <laughs> yeah, with these he's Xbox just But uh, yeah, put it in my hands. Let's talk about it then, right? But I I am skeptical because they've already nailed it. They have the Elite, which is the best controller you can have on the market yeah right i mean you, you know, have edges a solid core option that everybody has i i am interested to see like okay is this truly the future does it feel good is it what we know for an xbox controller because their lineage has been great controllers that people love they love the offset sticks they love the build of them from the duke and beyond right so it's like is this going to be the one? We'll find out. Yeah. I know, like, even there, there's color variations, which is cool, too, right? And, like, I, I, I don't know if that's going to fix the pants situation for me. I don't know if there's a color variation that mm -hmm. is going to make that look cool to me. But, hey, we'll see when we get there. Yellow and brown. Just lean into oh, the Oh, lean into the SpongeBob. That'd be <laughs> fire, actually. Call, that's a <laughs> great call. All right, next news story, story number seven. Xbox reveals potential one-hand controller, mobile controller, and more. This is Wesley Yinpool at IGN. As part of a significant leak, I love that... All the articles start with is part of a leak, but they all find their own twist on it of like yeah. how they're gonna say it. I'm doing great. Well, writing. shout out to Wesley too at yeah. IGN because so many of these articles are from him. Oh yeah, like Wesley, this was, was Wesley's up early leak. this morning. Yeah, I think Wesley, Wesley, I believe, is in the UK. Okay. So this ah. was happening when he was awake. Oh uh, yes, because so, I put out a tweet. It was like it's two in the morning, and everybody in the UK was like, it's ten a.m. here. I know we're working. Fact, Wesley was like, fuck, like, oh man, <laughs> like, you couldn't do this during day your time. You go. had to do it during my shift. Now I gotta write a hundred articles. <laughs> Thank you for your work, Wesley. Yes. As part of a significant leak of unannounced Xbox hardware is mention of a raft of potential devices Microsoft sees in its future. The slide contains rudimentary images for products designed for Xbox, including a one-hand controller, a mobile controller that clips on a phone, and a gaming keyboard and mouse for Nick Scarpino. Of course. Microsoft <laughs> has yet to announce any of these products. IGN has asked the company for comment. Is that, <laughs> I, like, I, I want to know, like... And I know this is it's a formality, right? IGN always asks for comment with, mm. with articles like this. But I love the idea of like Microsoft writing back and being like, what you want us to say, man? <laughs> you uh, see what's going on here. I'm sure they've gotten a thousand emails today. Yeah, they're like, yeah, no they're like, comment is what they're saying. Yeah. No comment. Uh, it's important to point out that the slide comes from a document put together in May 2022. So it's over a year out of date. Plans change and Xbox boss Phil Spencer may have failed to secure funding for any or all of these products. Uh, but still fascinating to look at. Yeah. You I know? mean, the big ones, of course, you <laughs> see the cloud device project Keystone. We've gone back and forth on. Is it real? Are they not doing it? They found the avenue of just going directly to TVs via the app. So I don't know if that's real anymore. The handheld is always up in the air. People talk a lot about handheld this, handheld that. 
Xbox has done a good job of like not going into the VR market because they don't see that space as being where they need to be right now. They look at the handheld market. They're not there because they can go directly to cloud and mobile right now, which is essentially the same as a handheld. So why need a dedicated one? It will be interesting if those two were to come to light. That's what I'm looking at down below. I mean, this is the product line, right? We talk about the Xbox product team and what the future is. Yeah, keyboards and mouse. We've seen them collide with Razer before. They've collaborated with others. Will they make their own? We'll see, but that's an easy one right there. Mm -hmm. I'm most interested in the one-hand controller to me says TV remotes. Yeah. That's what it speaks to to me. I'm not sure if that's a, an accessibility one where maybe because they do say. have yeah. the adaptive controller, which I don't see why you would go away from that. That can be used one hand. That can have <laughs> multiple different modules on that. So to me, when I see that, it reminds me of, TV controller that I mean, you can use on any TV. See, I look at it and I think about what Netflix is doing, where Netflix has the Netflix gaming thing, and yeah. a lot of those are mobile games, right? But then mm -hmm. a lot of them do translate to having them on your TV. Uh, I, Xbox has talked about they want to pursue mobile. They want to go after that. So I wonder if this is a, hey, we're going to have a mobile slate of games. We want people to have the option to be able to play these games on TV, and mm -hmm. a one-handed controller may be the way you get around that. But yeah, I also think accessibility could be the answer there too, as well as mm -hmm. what a one-handed controller could be used for. Yeah. Uh, moving on, story number eight. We got an Oblivion remaster, a Fallout 3 remaster, and more leaked from this Microsoft document. Another amazing. story. It's amazing. We're at story number eight. And this is another one that could have oh been a headline gosh. on any other day. Hey, next time y'all leak stuff, maybe like leak one a day. So that, like, that could carry a whole week of games daily right there. Because you're getting a week in one episode. This is fantastic. This is, once again, Wesley Yinpool at IGN. Microsoft okay. Court documents have leaked a number of unannounced Bethesda games, including an Oblivion remaster. As such, the release timings are obviously out of date. Starfield was heavily delayed, for example. And Machine Games' Indiana Jones game has yet to come out. And some of the announced games included here may have been canceled. But what we do have is a Bethesda release slate, uh, Bethesda release schedule accurate as of three years ago. Here's the list. So again, keep in mind, this is from 2020. All right? In financial year 2022, and also another thing to keep in mind, I'm going to say financial year, uh, ZeniMax's financial year lines up with, with the regular calendar year. It's not like other people's financial year. Mm -hmm. So this not is actual, them. the actual yeah. year. So last year, 2022, Oblivion Remaster in Indiana Jones game. That's when those games were slated to come out as of 2020. Mm -hmm. Financial year 2023, we were to get Doom Year Zero in DLC, Project Kestrel, and Project Platinum. Mm -hmm. And then in financial year 2024, we were set to get the Elder Scrolls VI <laughs> Project Kestrel expansion licensed IP game, Fallout 3 Remaster, Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, Dishonored 3, and Doom Year Zero DLC. Dishonored 3, let's go! Not yet. It's so funny because looking at this list, like obviously all of the dates are out of date. Drastically <laughs> different, but yeah. like it seems like a solid lineup that like. I'd believe all of this. Like, this sounds right, you know? I mean, there's some things that we can, like, of course, speculate about. You yeah. know, like, one of the things here is Ghostwire Tokyo sequel for 2024. This being 2020 and Ghostwire Tokyo not coming out until last year. Yeah. Ghostwire Tokyo getting the reception it got. Yeah. I don't think Ghostwire uh, Tokyo sequel I think that will change. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's happening. As one Master Chief Spartan 117 said, missions change. They always do. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm sure a lot of this has changed and will change. But I mean, I mean, tell you, Doom Year Zero didn't come out. Come on, yeah. Oblivion Remastered. Let's go. That's super exciting. Of course, shout out to the hardworking men and women who are making Skyblivion, the cool mod of Oblivion, which looks very great. Uh -huh. Unfortunate that they're making a Oblivion Remastered when that project is in the works. But I'm excited for both of those things. 
Indiana Jones game. I mean, Todd did tease during that article. He said, hey, we'll have something to talk about next year. So I anticipate next summer we do really start to see Indiana Jones come into the fold, which will be exciting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cool to see. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it. Cool to see that, like, you know, we get these original ideas for what these slates are going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see, like, kind of the internal look of how things shift and change. Because when we get delays, usually they're announced delays of, hey, we told you this is coming out May 2023. Actually, it's coming out in July 2023. Like, you get those, and those very much are, like, these last-minute things. Seeing the internal schedule and how things can shift dramatically, and, like, you know, given this was, again, 2020. And I believe this might have been, like, around summer 2020 is when when this came out. Mm -hmm. That was a couple months into the pandemic. They had no idea the impact the pandemic would have on their development cycles. And so I look at something like uh, Dishonored 3 or obviously Elder Scrolls 6, right? But any of these games, honestly, Indiana Jones. And it's like, yeah, like these games are probably now three, four years away, Mm -hmm. if they still exist even. I mean, we just talked about it in a previous one about Matt Booty and the team and Sarah Bond having to elevate third party, right? Look at what Xbox could have been, right? If this stayed on target, if this truly was the goal and the metric that they were trying to hit what Xbox could have been last year, the year before that, and heading into this year would have been a whole different yeah. story. But, like, things change. And, like, as of this, this time, too, at. you got to think, Starfield was slated, uh, this is a previous report that we had a while ago, but Starfield was slated originally for 2021. 11-11. So, so they, wanted, they wanted it to come out 2021, and then Elder Scrolls Six come out 2024. Mm-hmm. When you start to think about it, about it in that way, it's like, okay, I can see how this makes sense. Now that we're in 2023, fall 2023, and we just got Starfield, like, right now, I'm sure that they maybe have it slated for 2026. Yeah, I'd say 2026. I I'm sure it shifts if... into 2028. <laughs> like, it's going to be a wild before we get well, okay, We also got that report recently, <laughs> right, that, uh, that it's just starting pre-production. Pre-production, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, uh, you know, five years, I can see it. I think also yeah. this is really interesting, too, because, I mean, so granted, yes, we have to factor in COVID um, and how that impacted all of these dates. But also, I mean, we're seeing this trend where games are making longer and longer to make and they're more expensive to make. Um, And I think that we are hopefully getting to a point where maybe um, these execs who are like, you know, give me the timeline. When's this going to be done? Like what what is progress? Look at all these. Hopefully there's more of that realization that these do take longer. Um, And I think that even Xbox earlier with they were talking about like their frustrations with like, oh, we have a huge like hole in like, you know, our, our content and our games that were in our first parties. Um, I am hoping that this coming to light makes people realize, like, okay, we need to factor in how long these things take yeah, a little bit more. A, a big one for me that I think will probably get glossed over a lot, but many people will see, is they have a whole mobile game section, right? This is the big play for Activision Blizzard King. What Xbox wants to start doing is attacking the mobile sector a bit of of course gaming when you saw that list there's a whole line dedicated to mobile games and there was two two three or something like that on the side of each year they're looking for mobile games as of right now i haven't seen many xbox driven mobile games right so we are stepping into that future where you can clearly see bethesda and zenimax they're looking at that xbox is looking at that when is that next move of mobile games really hitting their stride for xbox and being an actual game changer like they want it to be mm-hmm. you know it's, it's funny because like you know i'm uh, this morning i spent the entire morning trying to put together this kfg and as a, we're getting to the end of the roper report so i'm like refreshing ign to make sure we don't have any breaking news <laughs> yeah. and when i refresh ign the first thing that pops up they have an article that is all the major revelations from the ftc versus core uh, xbox court document leaks on one article 
Yeah, couldn't have put this up at 8, 8 a.m. IGN where I started <laughs> putting it. They were They were sleeping. That would have helped me so much. You give, know what I mean? Give Wesley a break, all right? Is if it I by had, Wesley? Uh, oh, actually, that's a really good I question. Is by Wesley? No, it's Taylor Lyles. Oh, it's Taylor okay, Lyles. Okay. I'm just saying, if you had, oh, man, it's all organized to you. I could have gotten this out in one article, y'all. <laughs> Everybody was scrambling, bless, all right? And so was I. So was I. You know what I mean? Um, one, more, one more question I'll ask on this news story that we're on here, right here. Doom Year Zero. You think that was a new single player doom 3 or do we think that was a redfall young blood situation mm. prequel single player prequel single player see i'm putting money on it. i think it was a multiplayer thing i think they were going for live service i think that was like when they had the top down zenimax being like hey all y'all make these bad multiplayer games <laughs> i think doom u zero might we don't one talk of about young bloods like that man i i was so excited for young blood I, in- I played so much young blood that one of the worst experiences <laughs> I'm inclined so to agree out. with you is all I was going to say is I think that that's probably what it was. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Doom just to me, they've nailed Doom. And I think they would stay the course with that. I think Wolfenstein, there was a little bit of room because it was new. It was fresh. It was hot. They did a great job bringing that back into the fold. Mm-hmm. But I think they could take a shot with that. I think Doom has clearly had the vision and what they were going to do there. See, people are saying Doom Year Zero says DLC. Mm-hmm. On the document I'm looking at, it says Doom Year Zero and DLC, unless there's like a typo here. Uh, so I would think that Doom Year, and also in like, in the, in the following year, then it says Doom Year Zero DLC, right? Yeah. It's listed multiple times. And so I think Doom Year Zero was a singular project, and then DLC was being attached to it. Mm. Um, we need more Doom. We need more Wolfenstein. How do we need more Doom? Make that happen right away. Also curious that there's there's no Wolfenstein here. Well, it's that Indiana Jones killing. right now. Machine Games is working on Indiana Jones. Wolfenstein, we were hoping for Wolfenstein 3 before Indy. That doesn't seem to be the course. It is clearly Indy, and then maybe we'll go to Wolfenstein, you would hope, more right away. Story, Mike. There's more to that story. You got <laughs> BJ Blaskowitz has so much left to I, take that I, I want to know now. I'm telling you it's wrong. I want more of it. It's right. I mean, we need more of it. The story isn't finished, story Mike. Isn't I don't finished. care that Youngblood is, you know, <laughs> I don't a fuck about you. <laughs> 20 years later. I need that trilogy wrapped the fuck up, Mike. I don't I need agree. Indiana I Jones three. You in gotta a fucking talk with video Todd. game. There's a series Listen. called Uncharted that we already have. Oh All I see, it looking over there is just Barrett's arms just yeah, flailing. Yeah, he's all tight of me. Oh, God. All right. We got one more news story to wrap up the Roper Report. It's a big one, too. <laughs> this is a, a huge big one. one. Story number the nine. News. The first ever mm-hmm. Bluey video game launches this November. This is Adele Anchors Range at IGN. The first ever Bluey video game wow. is releasing on Nintendo Switch, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC on November 17th. Outright Games, in partnership with BBC Studios, is opening up the world of beloved animated preschool series and inviting you to join Bluey and her buddies uh, in an all-new interactive sandbox adventure aptly titled Bluey the Video Game that'll give players free reign to explore Bluey's house and several other iconic locations. Jess, are you a Bluey person? I love Bluey. Yeah, I have a video w- game. She's got a child. Come on. Yeah, I said yeah. I have a that's one why, and a half year old. I'm like my my one and a half year old at home is like fuck yeah. No. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I mean, it looks cute. Um. He. The only game that um my son has tried to play it was uh Wolong, and it didn't go super well oh, for him. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is more up his alley. I like it. <laughs> I, I mean, when, when watching the trailer, it looks pretty good. It yeah. gives me South Park Stick of Truth vibes, but wholesome. <laughs> oh, they, I mean, okay, yeah. okay. Without all of like the, you know, the rated R humor and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it, it, it looks graphically up to date. You know, the art yeah. style looks like it's hidden. Well, yeah, because Bluey has like, it's it's a really cute show, honestly. Like it's, it has very, very nice art. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's exciting. That's really cool. I think that anything that, helps kids like get into 
video games at a, at a younger age and that kind of, I don't know, I think that that's nice. Oh, As somebody yeah. who, like, I grew up playing video games, one of the first games I remember playing was Tiny Toon Adventures for the Super Nintendo. Mm. I loved that game. Oh, my God. Oh. I remember being a we kid We just talked about Rugrats. Yeah. We talked about Toy Story recently on a Remember Blank. And it's like, those are the games as a young kid that were family-friendly that you could turn on and let the kid yeah. learn and play with, right? I love that, like, Rugrats scavenger hunt for N64. Yep. Did y'all play yep. that? Oh, or yeah. Like, the puzzle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Somebody in chat said, make a, a Bluey first-person shooter and call it Kablooey. Oh, <laughs> that's actually well, really, that's That good. could be a mod. Uh, I am surprised, <laughs> like, for me, when I see this, right, put it everywhere, right? Like, yeah. parents and families want this anywhere and everywhere. Surprised not to see a Netflix on this, right? I'm sure mm. that's some sort of IP licensing for is, where Bluey is well, played. It's a Disney, Disney problem. Disney. Stuff. Disney, yeah. Disney but, like, yeah. still, you got to think they're in the room saying, hey, we got games on this. How do we make your game even bigger, make the Bluey IP even bigger? I am yeah. surprised. We're not seeing that. Yeah, like I'm like a mobile on yeah. here. I mean, they'll probably still work on it. Maybe we'll get Bluey for mobile. But Jess, Bluey for mobile is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mama Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily hosts each and every week. Yeah, I love the flair that you gave that. Yeah, you gave that kind of a different angle. I usually don't get that out of Tim Gettys. Mm -hmm. Oh I, no, I, I gotta it. hype you up. Hell yeah! Yeah. Out today, we got Lies of P for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, PC, and play it. Mortal Not Kombat. Game Pass. God, it's a good game. It's on Game Pass. Play that. I got Mortal Kombat One for PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. That could have been on Game Pass. Play that game. Could've that game's game real Pass. good. Uh, we got You Suck at Parking for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. That's a dumb, fun game. Yeah. Dumb, fun game. Check well, that one out. I think you'll like this next one. We got Party Animals for Xbox Series mm. X, Xbox One, yes, and PC. this is called The Goatee. This is a game of the <laughs> year contender animals? right yeah. here. Is it The Goatee? Party Animals. It's The Goatee, bless. I'm telling you, if you're looking for a fun, laughter-filled evening with your friends, multiplayer, with cross-play, easy lobbies to jump into, Play the goatee. Play the goatee. I can't wait for when I tabulate the game of the year scores at the end of the year, Bless, and Mike's going to be the only one who votes <laughs> oh, for party, party animals. animals <laughs> yeah. Goatee! God. Party uh, animals and EA uh, Road to the Masters. Listen, I might have FIFA 24 on there. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, or it was called you know, EAFC once that comes out. Look out. Uh, we got The Legend of Nayuta, Boundless Trace. Or no, sorry, Boundless Trails for PC and PS4 and Switch. Broken Edge for PS5, and then Bit Trip Rerunner plus Rerunner Maker for PC. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got an NVIDIA GeForce update for you. Of course, we've partnered with NVIDIA to keep you updated on all the latest GeForce RTX additions to your favorite games like Cyberpunk 2077. It's possible that when you've been watching videos lately on Cyberpunk 2077, you'll see the word DLSS and also the number 3.5. It's a brand new DLS drop uh, from NVIDIA and it'll be going into Cyberpunk's base game with their 2.0 update this week. You can check it out starting September 21st and be ready to see DLSS 3.5 in the new Phantom Liberty expansion next week. Also, the first Descendant, a free-to-play uh, four-player co-op shooter, enters open beta today. And for those of you on RTX, you'll see nice frame rates. And if you're on a 40 series, DLSS 3 will give you a pretty killer performance multiplier on top of that. And then coming September 20th, the medieval combat action title Warhaven is also set to uh, is also set up uh, your performance by three times uh, thanks to DLSS 3. That's at a 4K resolution with ray tracing on and max settings enabled. And for all RTX gamers looking to get their souls like fixed with Liza P, it launches today with DLSS 2, giving nearly double the frame rate performance. I'm getting all wound up here just looking at this action. 
Yeah. He's got an umbrella. Look at, look at this. Yeah, all these games look so good. Oh, man. Me and Andy do a lot of the sponsored streams with, of course, uh, NVIDIA, and it is always wowing to see what DLSS is bringing. So check it out. Let's sure. go. Uh, we got some new dates for you. 505 Games TGS Showcase debuts on Thursday, September 21st, with new looks at Ghost Runner 2, Ayuden Chronicles, 100 Heroes, and more. And then Tekken 8 adds Bang Wei and is getting a closed beta set for October 20th through the 23rd. Deal of the day for you coming soon to Game Pass. We got Party Animals, that's out today, Gotham Knights, The Lamplighters League, Payday 3, and Cocoon. Really quick, going down that list. I mean, those are all bangers of a game, right? Party Animals, great. Gotham Knights received mediocre attention yeah, on that one. You can't say but... they're all bangers, Mike. <laughs> no, I'm With Gotham Knights in that line, of... I came on the Batman, XCast to review it, and it broke me. Batman, save yourself some money, jump into Gotham Knights. That's a great one. Lamplighters League is a very cool XCOM-style game. Me and Andy played it over at... Um, What's uh, GDC? Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. Very interesting if you're into like that cool real-time strategy. Payday 3 with your friends. Get out of town. And Cocoon of town. might be real hot. Might be real hot. Haven't played it yet. Like you playing that um, Payday 3? Yeah, I'm playing that Payday 3. You trying to play some? Me and my friends suck at it. I'll play it with you, though. Dope. I am actually currently reviewing Cocoon for GameSpot, so I can't really talk about it too much. That's cool. But I did play the preview at Summer Game Fest, and I can talk about that because that's been a while mm. um and it's really really cool i feel like if you like katan not katana zero oh my gosh Hyper i was about to say no 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 what's so funny is i played katana zero and hyperlight drifter back to back so in my mind i just like oh, and i love yeah. both of them so like i just lump them together but no uh cocoon is like has hyperlight drifter kind of vibes to it um it's just like a really cool puzzle type game and the art's really pretty um so yeah, that's Heck something yeah. to check out if you're if you're into those. I gotta hit up Greg Miller and be like, yo, where's that cocoon code? Yeah, at? yeah. I heard Game style, Game Spots play. I can I can send you the contact. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, we got a quick swat up for you. This comes from Cambosa. Uh, with all my friends, I normally play fighting games with being on PC. Mortal Kombat One not having crossplay. I need to find some friends I can hit up for games in MK One on PS Five. I don't care what skill level you are. I'm just looking for some dope people to hit buttons with and have mm -hmm. a good time learning the game. Also, if you're new to fighting games, I'd happy to, I'm uh, I'd be happy to teach you some things. I'm not great myself but i love helping newer players learn my psn is cambosa underscore that is c-a-m-b-o-s-a -S -S underscore but i usually see messages on my discord much sooner so it would be easier to hit me up there uh that is just cambosa without the underscore shout out shout out Aww. now it's time for kind of funny.com slash you're wrong where you write in let us know what we got wrong Ooh. as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube and listening later on podcast services around the globe 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 uh, let's see, uh, editorializing. Uh, let's see, Anonymous says in the slides later on, they list the handheld as not in scope. So I think that was an alley-oop that Phil Spencer tried to throw up. And um, it was uh, Satya Nadella like spiked that thing down. I was like, no, <laughs> you're not doing a handheld. Uh, let's see. Like a lot more details in here about the whole thing. Of course, there's a lot to dig into because it's a big old, yeah. big old pile of news stories here. Um, somebody made a reference to Mike saying 50 cent blood in the sand. That's not a you're wrong. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Sabil is pronounced Sabil. Sabil. Presumably after the fairy queen of Italian folklore. There you go. Hey, we learn something every something day. Yeah. Ooh, Nadal here says Bluey is an Australian broadcast uh, corporation and BBC property. Disney yeah. just has distribution rights for the US. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. BBC. But I think even Call with distribution, up. like, I don't think, I don't, actually, it was a video game. It's not a show, yeah. so. Maybe Netflix could distribute it, but, you know. Hey, BBC, if you're listening, it's a free idea for you. Bluey for, for everyone. Bluey for Smash, somebody just said. Yeah. That would be sick. 
Uh, somebody says Bluey mobile game is already out, but I, it's not this game, right? Like, put this game on mobile is what we're saying. Uh, and then Party Animal is actually out tomorrow, the 20th. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. For kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Uh, tomorrow's host for Games Daily are going to be me and the one and only Andy Cortez. Wow. Who's that? Yeah. Uh, he's a guy. I think he works at IGN. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, he's my best friend. He's the Nitro <laughs> Rifle. He streams on Twitch. He's so awesome. Of course, this has been a longer wait, episode. Wait. The Nitro Rifle? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. the Nitro Oh, okay. I know him. I know him. She knows. Yeah, yeah. She knows. Uh, we're not going to have a post-show because, of course, we've ran an hour. You don't want to ask some questions? <laughs> I mean, do you? Do we yeah, have these time? It's already 11.30. We can go until noon if you guys want to. Uh, it's all up to you guys, though. Uh, I, I probably, I, I think Jess okay. has a schedule and I also have a schedule. <laughs> and so, no, we're probably going to end the show here. Um, but Jess, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for excellent. having me. This was so fun. Heck yeah. Where can people find you if they want to follow your stuff? Uh, you can find me on everything, Twitter, Instagram, blue sky, whatever the thing is at a wild Jess at you. There you go. Go check out Jess's work. Go support Jess over on GameSpot. Are you ever on after dark? Uh, you know what? What's funny is I'm going to be this week. There you but, go. Oh, it's, it's not, it's few and far between, but this week I will be. Listen to GameSpot after dark and then comment when the episode goes live and be like, we want Jess back every week everybody just comment that wait i hope jess again yeah. thank you for joining me mike thank you for joining me thanks for having me i came too. to you right before the show and was yeah. like you want to be on and then i forced so i, I forced I you to be on this like episode. a slob today my apologies <laughs> i should have worn something no, nice you look, you look great <laughs> uh, uh thank you everybody is being nice to me yeah you're the best <laughs> yes uh remember this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about until next time game daily you gotta give us the x Oh, shake our hands. <laughs>